Hello again, my name is Anne-Marie Zanzel and welcome to Coming Out and Beyond LGBTQIA Plus Stories. I am an ordained minister, bereavement counselor, conversationalist, spiritual wanderer, later in life lesbian, change maker, blogger, author, mom of four beautiful children, wife to my lovely wife, Tonda McKay, a northerner living in the South and trying to figure it all out. I share the stories of people who are coming out later in life to the LGBTQIA community and other queer stories. These stories are compelling, heartbreaking, joyful, and inspirational. I started this podcast because we need to normalize exploration and sec of sexuality and gender at all ages. Plus, visibility is vital to the queer community. It's never too late to be who we are created to be. My guests prove that. I am very excited today to have a friend and a guest, Suzette Mullen. Suzette Mullen is an author, retreat lead, leader, and certified book coach who helps LGBTQ plus writers and allies start and finish nonfiction books they will be proud to share with the world. Her mission is to use her gifts and passion for justice to help birth LGBTQ plus stories that bring light, hope, and connection to people who feel alone or othered and maybe, just maybe, change hearts and minds one story at a time in the process. This brilliant lady is a graduate of Harvard Law School and Wellesley College and also holds a certificate in spiritual formation from Columbia Theological Seminary. In 2019, she brought her passion for justice to her new hometown of Lancaster, Pennsylvania and co-founded the Lancaster LGBTQ Coalition. This proud mom of two adult sons, she is living this, loving this chapter of her life with her wife, Wendy, and their rescue pup, Lucy, and is forever grateful the universe nudged her to take a detour five years ago to central Pennsylvania, where she's been embraced with open arms by friends of all ages, genders, and sexual orientations. Welcome, Suzette. I am so excited to have you here today. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. It's a pleasure. So, Suzette, tell me your story. <laughs> oh boy, how long do you have? Okay, well, <laughs> I, will, I will try to cut to the chase. Um, well, um, when I was in my mid fifties, um, I'm I'm sixty now. Um, I was an empty nester. I was married to a man. Um, my two children were um, in college and out in the world of two young adult sons. And, um, I was embarking on the next chapter. Um, and let's just say the next chapter has taken, took some twists and turns I had not anticipated. Um, I was, um, writing, um, writing has always been a big part of my life. And I had decided that that was really what I wanted to spend my time professionally doing in, in this next chapter. And I was working on a memoir about, um, my professional journey and some of my struggles in my professional journey. And as I wrote, um, as I worked on this memoir, my I say my fingers traveled to a different story. And um, it was a story about an intense um, long-term friendship I had with um, a female friend. Mm -hmm. And that had confused me and perplexed me and 
I didn't, I didn't understand this friendship. Um, I knew it was different. Um, and, um, as I wrote, um, what became clear to me, um, that I had been in denial about for, you know, close to two decades was that, um, I was, she, I didn't just love this friend, but I, I had been and still was in love with her. Mm -hmm. And that, was the moment that set in motion this journey that has landed me where I am today. Um, I began to, um, you know, first, first come to terms with what that relationship really was. Um, mm -hmm. And then what did it mean for my life? Um, I had a, um, you know, a life that from the outside looked perfect. And there were a lot of very good things about that life. Um, I was married to a, a kind and loving man. Um, I had financial security. I had, um, you know, I had the ocean view home. Um, I had, um, you know, I had, a, I had a very good life. Um, and all along, there was something that was just not quite there. And I, I felt very, I felt very restless, um, throughout most of my married life. Um, I thought it was about the fact that I hadn't landed on a professional, um, life that was the right one for me. And I do believe that was part of it, but it, it was part of a, it was part of a much bigger story. Um, mm -hmm. And um, so that began the journey. Um, I shared what I had, the sort of epiphany about this friendship. I shared it with my husband um, and we kind of put it back in the box for a while. Um, and, um, you Which know- Which is really just, normal for our later in life community. Yeah, a yeah. A lot of people I mean, tell their husbands and then it's huge. It's a huge moment where people, and then it just sort of gets put away for a while, right? Yeah, I, um, I actually, um, I, I had a therapist that um, I worked with years and years ago, um, and um, I, I went back to her um, with this, you know, challenge, and. Um, the advice I got from her was um, that, you know, I could do whatever I wanted to do with this. I, I which, which is actually true. Um, but, you know, it was, you, you don't have, you know, you, you know, I, I went to her saying, well, what if I'm gay? Like, what if I'm gay? What am I supposed to do? You know, kind of thing. And cause at that point I was not at all like, I am gay. I was more like, what if this, me because I've been in love with this friend for you know 18 years what if that means I'm gay yeah you know, and what am clients, I supposed to do you know yeah and, with my clients I always start with this point of uh, I might not be straight you know it's like and right. what am I going to do with this right right so you know she was the therapist was like well you know you don't have to do anything about it you can you can you can you can decide and I mean, it, there was more to it than that, that I don't need to get on that detour. But so basically I was like, all right, you know, maybe I'm gay, maybe I'm not. And I don't have to do anything about it. I can just, you know, I can go on with my life. So we, we kind of went back to our merry way, went on with our life. And then um, probably about 
I don't know, eight, nine, 10 months later, I just woke up one morning and I was like, I can't do this anymore. There was just, it had just been building and it was like everywhere I went, I would see lesbians all of a sudden, you know, it was just like everywhere and, yeah. and the longing just got, you know, just harder and harder to just live with. And um, so I went to a different therapist and really started coming, you know, getting real with myself. Um, I found this later in life um, online support group where you and I um, met and that was a lifeline because literally I didn't know a single other soul who was grappling with what I was grappling with. And that was just, that was a big turning point to um, realize that I wasn't alone and that other Mm -hmm. people had were struggling, had gotten to the other side. Um, I eventually shared my feelings with this friend, um, which was probably the hardest conversation I've ever had to have in my life. Um, And certainly ranked up there in the top three. And um, she initially was accepting of the fact that I felt that the way I did. She said she didn't reciprocate those feelings but a few months later she just kind of vanished from my life I think she just couldn't deal with it um and um I've written a whole nother memoir I've written I I I I will talk about that later but um about this about this story um and so I eventually my husband and I tried counseling um tried to see if that we could continue our marriage with this Mm -hmm. truth in the middle of it. Um, Initially, he wanted to stay married. Um, I kind of did too. I really didn't want to change my life. Um, um, And, but I did get to the point where I realized that um, I wasn't willing to just, I wasn't willing to go to my grave without knowing really who I was or experiencing um, that part of my identity. Cause at that point, although I'd had very intense feelings for a woman for many, many years, I mean, I hadn't even kissed a woman. I mean, I had, there had been no, you know, actual. Yeah. Suzette and my stories are very similar in that way. You know, very, we have, and that's why I think we connected in the beginning because our stories were very similar. So I understand. I absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So fast forward decision, eventually what mutual decision to divorce um, that was in the fall of 2016. So a little over five years ago, um, I ended up moving to a city um, that I knew one person in that's part of the magic that happened once I, I remember started. when you went to Lancaster, you yes, were supposed to, to go to life. Nashville and, yep. and you went to, my gosh, isn't that amazing what happened? Yeah. And I'm, I, the third night I was in Lancaster, I had a date with a woman who I had met online. Um, her name is Wendy and, um, we are married now. So, um, um, I very, yeah, I'm, I, I'm very, I guess I'm very, very monogamous. Um, and, um, yeah, so we, I have a completely different life. Um, um, it's 
it's a, it now five years plus out, it no longer feels so much like a new life. It feel it feels like my life. Um, mm-hmm. um, I, I, I finally embrace both who I was personally and then also professionally as I'm, um, I'm a book coach now, a certified book coach who works with, as you said in your intro, with um, uh, nonfiction writers um, with a special focus on the LGBTQ plus community, memoir writers in that community. And I'm also a writer myself. So I'm um, in the process as we speak of sending out queries to agents about my book, which is called Graveyard of Safe Choices. Ooh, that's a lovely title. I like it. Yeah. 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 So I want to get back to some of the things you said. Um, So in our community, we talk about a catalyst, right? You know, and a catalyst is a person that makes you realize that it can be two things. It can be a woman or a man that makes you realize that you might not be straight and you're attracted to, or it can be an event, like something happens in your life. Like a lot of times it can be a divorce, a death of a parent, a death of a child, you know, something really that Mm -hmm. a lot of our, a lot of the people that were in our group had some serious illness. And then they realized, did that happen to you? I know you had the, you know, the, your female catalyst that, you know, you had for 20 years, but did you have anything that just sort of shifted it really quickly? Because you said in the beginning, you know, you were an empty nester. Was that it? Um, yes and no. Um, what I would say is that there were a few moments um, that I can point to prior to the, you know, actual revelation epiphany um, where I was really examining my life. Um, my father passed away in 2011. Um, he had, he had um, Parkinson's disease. He had, was diagnosed at 52 and um, died at 73. And, you know, I think a death of a parent is, is a common time when we sort of ask ourselves, you know, what am I doing? You know, who am I? What am I doing? And I definitely, so that was also right around the time I was, I turned 50. And so I, I had, I've been living a fairly, despite all the denial, which is kind of a weird place to be, despite all the denial, I actually had been living a very examined life in other aspects of my life. So it wasn't like I wasn't grappling with the deep questions about identity and, you know, my purpose and what am I here on earth to do? I've been grappling those, those sort of ad nauseum for years. Um, when my father passed away, that was another kind of moment. Um, and then, yes, the empty nest, um, when my um, husband and I we actually left our home in Houston. We used to live in Houston and we moved to Montauk, New York, where we had a vacation home, but we moved there and my parents lived, you know, nearby. My dad was no longer um, alive, but we, we, we left for a year um, that we called a year of discernment. And it really was, we was a year that we were going to figure out what our next chapter was. Um, so it was very, very intentional because we didn't know, would we leave Houston permanently? Would we move to Montauk? What work would we be doing? And that was the year that I got clarity on my professional path. I got clear 
that yes, I was going to put a stake in the ground. I've always loved to write. I've been editing things ad nauseum. I've been doing all everything around writing, but I hadn't you know, put a stake in the ground. Like I'm a writer, I'm an editor, I'm a book coach. And I put that stake in the ground. Um, that was what that the outcome of that year of discernment. It was two years later that because of that discernment and because I was claiming my call as a writer that I was writing this memoir um, about my professional life that led me to this other story about this friendship. And it literally was the words on the mic, on the page. I mean, to get even to parse it a little, you know, more finely, I was working with a book coach. Mm -hmm. um, I had someone who was helping me with my book and I would send her pages every week. And when I wrote about this moment with this friend, um, I knew there, I, it was a super vulnerable moment. And I knew that um, I didn't understand the power of it, but I knew it was powerful. And I, it was a scary, it was a very vulnerable, scary moment mm -hmm. to write. And it was very scary to send it to the book coach, but I did. And when she returned her feedback to me on one sentence I wrote, which was, I grazed the, the arm of this friend and this electricity, this warmth, this current went through my body. And I mean, I didn't, I mean, this is how out of touch I was with my body. Um, I didn't understand what that was in the moment. I didn't understand what that was 15, 16, 17 years later when I wrote about it and when this book coach said, that sounds exactly like someone who's falling in love. And when I saw that comment, I was like, are we allowed to curse on this? Sure. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> Well, it, I, I, can, I can just imagine you like, like, it was like a moment where you like the energy is just going around you as you, as you read this sentence. It was, it was, well, you know, sometimes whether it's a book coach or a therapist or a life coach or whatever, you know, that's why we sometimes need someone else to help us see things that we can't see ourselves because we're, we're just too close to it. And um, you know, she could have written that comment and I could have read it and I could have, I could have said, yeah, that, no, that's not what that was. But there was an absolute moment of clarity and truth yeah. for me in that moment. And I was like, yes, I mean, the struggles that I had had over this, my feelings and this friendship that I couldn't articulate before it was like, yeah, that is it. And then I was like, oh my God, you know, and um, yeah. And so that happened before you started to put the wheels in motion, like telling your husband and everything. Well, I told my husband very shortly thereafter. 
mm-hmm. um, because we had, well, I mean, I think it was in part the kind of relationship that we had yeah. and also mm-hmm. my sort of what for me was a, my core integrity is that once I knew that this truth, I couldn't keep it from him. And, um, but I did, I did couch it. I mean, I didn't, I didn't say, oh, I was in love with her and I'm still in love with her. And I think I might be gay and, you know, all of that. I just, um, I read him the pages and I said to him, um, I, you know, in a sort of very tentative way, I, I'm coming to understand that I had been in love with her. And, um, that was it. That was as far as I could go in that moment. And, um, you know, initial, his initial reaction was that he was upset. Um, you know, he's angry. Um, you betrayed me. And I was like, no, that's not what this was, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but very quickly, I mean, within seconds, um, he sort of stepped back and he said, um, I knew, I, I knew because he, she was, um, very, she was, you know, a, had become a family friend, um, and, you know, had been in our lives for, for years. Um, and so it wasn't like there was this mystery person. Um, yeah. and, um, so, you know, we were all kind of operating under denial mm-hmm. for uh, a long time. Like there was this triangle that, there, you know, it, it worked for all of us for a very long time mm-hmm. until it didn't work. And mm-hmm. then it fell apart. Well, until you wanted more. Well, until I, I think I wanted more. I knew I did want more for my life for mm-hmm. decades, but I wasn't, I, I wasn't clear on where the more was. I wasn't, um, I didn't see how everything was connected. And, um, and once I, for me, once I saw the truth or, or acknowledged the truth, um, you know, that was when it just became inevitable. Although in the moment I, you know, I still tried to, like I said, we, we put the genie back in the bottle for a while and then, I just couldn't do it anymore. And I think, you know, you were asking, was there a, you know, a catalyst or a moment? Well, for me, it was, you know, the person, this friend was the phys- the person who is the catalyst mm-hmm. and then the writing, the seeing the, my words on the page, my truth on the page um, was, was was the really, you know, we talk about the inciting incident in a, um, in a, in a narrative and a book, a novel, that was my inciting incident. And I want to share one more thing, of course, then, you know, and I think this is true for many of us who are questioning or coming to terms with our sexuality later in life is then, of course, then we go back through our entire life. Right. And we're like, you know, it's, we think this, thing has come out of the blue, but I think for many of us, you know, there were signs all along, but that we interpreted those signs differently. And I certainly have, you know, a whole host of things where I now looked back and understood these things differently. But there was one 
being a writer, words are so important to me and the written word in particular. And I've, I've, you know, I've been a, I've journaled on and off most of my life. I mean, there've been long periods where I didn't journal at all, but then there were periods I did. And I had a journal from my um, senior year of high school and um, which actually I was studying abroad that year. I lived in England with a family and there is literally one sentence in that journal, but it's there. It's my handwriting. It's written. And it is, um, I'm wondering, there's this boy that my host sister is trying to set me up with. And I write something like, I wonder what's going to happen with Nick. Um, and I say, and I really don't care. And then I said, I wrote, that's why I'm rather worried about my sexual orientation. Wow. And I am like, when I saw that, I was blown away because I have no memory of writing it. I have no memory of being rather worried about my <laughs> sexual orientation when I was 18 years old, but apparently I was, you know? And so, you know, Susan, yeah. that's so funny you talk about that because I, you know, I do the support groups and we were talking about that last night, recovered memory. That's really, really key in our later in life experience all of a sudden like when I came out apparently I told my best friend 20 years ago that I was gay and I was like I what like yeah. I have no memory right no memory of it at all um and so I think that happens to a lot of us and also too some of the other things is that you put um stories that you had put into one category you know like we're like oh wait a minute that then you put it into another category, you know, like, you know, stories that may have been a shame category. Now, all of a sudden go into another category. We realize that, oh, wait a minute. So that sort of fun too, because it validates, right? Oh you yeah. Know? I mean, my, my first crush was on a female um, high school teacher and, you know, I would not have called it a crush. Um, I just, but you know, I, when I look back on it and I can see some of the same patterns that I, um, I had with this female friend, you know, later in life, that was my catalyst. I could, I could see some, a lot of similarities and a lot of patterns that some of the same things I did. And um, I remember talking to my, my therapist, a third therapist, and the one that um, I um, I worked with when I first went to Lancaster and moved to Lancaster, and she actually happens to be a later in life lesbian herself. And I said to her, you know, I told her about this high school friend, uh, high school teacher, and I said, but you know, don't. And this point, I still wasn't totally convinced I was gay, you know, even though like all the evidence was so there, but I just was like. <laughs> I still was like, am I really? Or like, you know, I was still in that place, even though I was getting divorced. And it's just very hard for me to like claim that identity. And um, so I was telling her about this high school teacher and, you know, my crush. And I said, but don't lots of girls have crushes on, you know, female teachers? And she said, yeah, but most of them turn out to be lesbians. <laughs> <And so laughs> like, okay. You know, so, so I have, all this- I have- I 
have such a cure question of curiosity for you. You went yeah. to Wellesley. I mean, I know. I mean, like girls, I... girl colleges are like, you know, you know, everybody log a lesbian until graduation. So. I know. <laughs> well, I mean, that's 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 another interesting part of the story because that was another reason that I was convinced that I couldn't be a lesbian mm -hmm. because I had gone to Wellesley College and there were tons of lesbians. I mean, you know, it's, you know, very open now. And, it, but even when I was there, which was, you know, decades ago, um, it, there certainly were, you know, there were, there were women that were, who were out as lesbians, or there were certainly plenty of women that were experimenting and all of that. And I knew them, but they weren't my people. And I didn't, you know, I didn't identify with the people who were visibly out. Um, you know, Why do they, you think that was? I mean, I have a theory about all of this. <laughs> and well, I think that I had a, I had a very narrow um, view or understanding of who lesbians were. I mean, they mm -hmm. were, you know, they were butch, they were, you know, very masculine um, presenting um, and, um, you know, kind of militant. I mean, that was my, you know, that was my view in the, um, you know, the early 80s when I was in college. And um, because I didn't have any, I didn't have any models that were different, you know, um, I didn't know, you know, I, I didn't know any lesbians, or at least I, you know. Well, you know <laughs> and, and what I've noticed in our later in life community is a lot of us, not everybody, there's, this is a bell curve, a lot of us fall on more on the femme side. And, and I, I was sort of like have developed a theory is that like, we could, we could be in the closet because a lot of times women that are more masculine of center or, you know, defined as butch, they have glass closets. It's really hard to stay in a glass closet, you know? And yeah. so while, you know, I find that not all of us, but a lot, and a lot of us change our look as we become into ourselves. So somebody mm -hmm. may start out really sort of femme looking, but as they come into themselves, their looks change. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've done the before and afters in some of the yeah. groups they are in, and people do change the way they look. So I, I am like, I agree with you. I think it was like, I just, for me, it was like, I don't look like that. So I can't be like that. And it was a very narrow. View. Yeah. I think it was a combination of, um, you know, both this sort of outward appearance that wasn't how I presented or viewed myself as presenting, but I also just like, I didn't, I did not happen to connect, um, you know, on a personal level with, with anyone um, who was, who was a lesbian or gay in college. I mean, not like, you know, I, it, it, they weren't my friends. I mean, I had, you know, you, you have a friend, you find your friend group, right? Um, and as they call it now, we didn't call it friend group, but they call, you know, I found my friend group. I'm still very close with um, a good number of those friends. And, um, you know, they, everybody was straight in my friend group and I thought I was too. And so I just, you know, that was, that's what, and it's interesting because, um, 
just a few years into um, this friendship with this, this female friend. Um, so at this point, I'm like in my late 30s. Um, I was at, and I was really, I'd probably been friends with her for like a year, two years, and I was really struggling with it. And um, I shared some of my struggle with, with um, an acquaintance. And you know, I just said, I, I don't know what to do with this. I, I like, can't stop thinking about this friend. I want to be with her all the time and all that. And this acquaintance who um, is like a spiritual director said to me in a very gentle voice, she said, what would you think about if you were, she used the term homosexual, you know, this was, <laughs> this is how we, what would you think if you were homosexual? And I was like, what? what? I was like, no, no, that's not what this is. And, and I remember thinking at the time, well, no, I can't, I couldn't be homosexual. You know, I'm married to a man and I, I love him. And, and, and I remember even thinking about like, well, I went to a women's college, you know, and <laughs> if I was homosexual, I would have known it, or I would have done something about it, you know, when I had an opportunity. So to me, that was you know, it's like my, my former background, we didn't talk about this, but my former professional background is I was a lawyer. And, you know, I realized that I was building a case for myself about why I couldn't possibly be gay, you know? Mm -hmm. And, you know, that was, that was part of the evidence, you know, I went to women's college and I didn't do anything with women. I could have. So, you know, ergo, I must not be gay. <laughs> so, you know, it's really interesting because I, I've really thought about this because a lot of the women that we know, you know, often have experiences when they were in college or mm -hmm. school sure. and then they get married and, you know, yep. men and, you know, I also like, for me, I wonder that like, and I don't know how you would feel about this, but I wonder if I like somehow knew that if I went down that road, that I wouldn't be able to like get back. Like mm. it scared me because mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it was, I was raised very conservatively Catholic and it scared me. And so like, I did contemplate it in my early twenties and stuff like that, but I didn't give it a lot of energy. You know what I mean? Like when I couldn't find like a friend to go to a gay bar with, I didn't go, you know, I, I just didn't give it that the respect and energy that it deserved you know that was not my experience okay. my experience was it wasn't I mean literally it wasn't even on my radar um mm -hmm. or you know yes I wrote about I had that one sentence I wrote when I was 18 that I was rather worried about my sexual orientation but uh, you know, apparently I didn't write another sentence about that until you know way way later so no I I didn't, you know, I, I think I was just really um, disconnected from, I, from my, my body. And, um, you know, I just didn't ever think that I, I mean, I was, I wasn't raised, I wouldn't say I was raised in a conservative home, but I was raised in a very conventional home. Um, mm -hmm. You know, um, you know, to parents, public school teachers, you know, same jobs, their, you know, entire yeah. careers like this, you know, this is what we, and I, and I, I followed a very conventional path. And um, I think, you know, 
in many ways, that was why I was restless and discontent because it wasn't just the sexuality. It wasn't just the professional. It was that, you know, I had chosen this professional path because I was following this, you know, Gotta get a good job. Gotta get a not was not really who I was, but I didn't know any difference. So um, I think that the, you know, my true self professionally and personally was, um, was slowly dying, you know, over, over the years. And then at a certain point, it was like, are you going to let her die completely? Or are you going to, are you going to blow up your life? And that's what it felt like. I felt like that's what the choice felt like to me. And I think that's why I stayed stuck for as long as I did. But then when I just, you know, I had a, an epiphany, I had a number of epiphanies along the way where I just said, I can't do this anymore. And I'm not willing to, I'm not willing to go to my grave, you know, without, mm-hmm. without living my, my, my true life. So, so I want to ask you one more question about mm-hmm. the coming out experience. And then I want to hear about what you do now because sure. you're a writer and your writer soul. Um, did you blow up your life, Suzette? Mm, great question. Well, um, that's a great question. Um, I, I felt like that's what I was doing at the time. Um, and a huge challenge for me. And I think for many women, um, or many people that are, are at this grappling who have established lives, it's like, it's not only your own life, it's the people, the other people, your children, your, your, your spouse, and all of those things. Um, Yeah, I mean, I I think I would still use that language, but it isn't as it's not. It needed to, it needed to be blown up to be reformed. And, um, um, and, you know, my life is very, very different. My, you know, ex-husband's life is very, very different. Um, I think he's happy. He's remarried. Um, I'm remarried. My kids have, my kids are fine. Um, you know, my, and, um, so I, it, 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 why I would still maybe use that language, but what I would, what I would say is I, I think some women use, and I may have used this myself about destroying. I didn't destroy anything. Um, I made a radical change. So if you want to say that's blowing up, I made a radical change that impacted many people beyond me. And that was very difficult. Um, And I now on the other side of it am very much at peace that it was, it was necessary. And, um, you know, I, I wanted to do it in a way that there would be no pain for anyone. And that is not possible. And, um, you know, there's pain if you stay and there's pain if you go and you choose, you choose your pain. Um, well, if you stay, then you're the one who bears all the pain, right? Well, exactly. Yeah, you do. And, and depending on your situation, um, your spouse is living in a marriage where the other partner isn't, can't be fully, can't be fully 
can't be fully in. So, um, you know, but as I know, you know, and our job is not to, you know, manage the other people's pain. Um, but I felt a huge responsibility and, um, you know, I'm a first child, I'm a rule follower. <laughs> um, and you know, this was breaking the rules. Oh yeah. Big, big time. Rules. Big yep. time. Yeah. Um, so tell me about your work you're doing now. I'm really excited about it. I feel like queer stories need to be told, whether it's later in life or someone who came out at 15. Um, I think these stories need to be told. And I think one of the gifts of your journey is that it has made you so unbelievably qualified to, to coach people about this stuff. And so tell me about that. What are you doing? Yeah. And- and like, how can people find you and all those yeah. things like that? Great. Yeah. So first, um, I'll just start briefly with my own writing. Um, as I mentioned, I am a memoir writer um, and I have a completed manuscript and book proposal. Um, my memoir is called Graveyard of Safe Choices. And I am looking for a home for it right now. I am querying. That's a really hard word to say, you know, ironically querying. I am sending query letters, which are, you know, cover letters basically to, um, to agents. Um, and I have, um, I have a plan. I, I, you know, seeking agent representation. I've also got a list of small presses that, um, I'm going to be sending my manuscript to. And, um, I feel confident I'm going to find a home for my book. I don't know exactly what it will be, but I, um, I, I'm excited and I'm very happy with my manuscript. It's took me years and years and many, many, many drafts. And it is, it is the, a book that represents my best work. So I feel very good about that. Well, I'm so um, excited because you know that there's like, you know, five or 10 books that people refer to. And right, like, exactly. You know, yeah, we, need a, yeah. we need a couple more. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, and you know, it's interesting because um, while the context of my story is a coming out story, I don't view it, um, I view it as a, a story that's about something bigger than that. I view it about, it's a story about um, learning to listen to what's within and then and then ta- having the courage to act on it. And so my ideal reader is not only a person who is grappling with their sexuality and what to do about it. They certainly are people I hope who will read my book, but um, my you know, my broader audience are primarily women. I don't anticipate a lot of men are going to be reading my book. Women that um, are at midlife who are examining their lives and who are are desiring something more and um, and are afraid of the cost. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, my story, I believe, proves that it's never too late to say yes your life. So that's the, that's the message. And then as far as the, um, the work I do with writers, so I am a certified book coach. Um, um, I have been, I've trained with a company called Author Accelerator that um, is kind of the nation's premier book coaching community. And um, I work for myself. My business is called Your Story Finder. And um, I work 
um, primarily one-on-one -on -one right now with um, memoir writers. I do work with some writers that are writing self-help as well. And I help them first build the foundation for their book before they actually start writing it and getting really clear on why they're writing, who they're writing it for, what their primary point is. We structure it. I have a whole outlining process. So by the time they're ready to either do a book proposal or write their manuscript, they have a roadmap and they actually know what they're doing so that they don't spend years writing in circles. And um, so um, I do that one-on-one -on -one work. Um, and I'm also... Um, I'm building a group coaching program that will be, um, I'll be rolling out in September for, for queer memoir writers. And if people are interested, they can get on an interest list. And finally, an exciting opportunity that's more um, current is I'm partnering with the Pride and Joy Foundation, which is a LGBTQ plus nonprofit. Um, and we are, um, I'm leading a six week course for queer nonfiction writers. So both memoir and if you're writing like a business book or, or self-help book, a prescriptive nonfiction book, um, I've got a six week course. Um, it's called Outright Authors. And um, we do have some space still available. It's going to start in early March. And that is, I don't know, you can probably put it in your show notes, but that is, um, you can go to the Pride and Joy Foundation and mm -hmm. on their website and find out information about that course. And then to find out more about me um, and my work, it's yourstoryfinder.com. All right. So thank you. I have a couple of questions that I always end the podcast with. Um, do you have a coming out song, Suzette? <laughs> you know, this is terrible because you told me about this. And I, when you just asked me, I'm like, oh my gosh, I did. But what um, I believe what I said is um, brave. Did I say yes, brave? Yes, you did. Sarah I, Perillis? Okay. Yeah, I, like, I, oh I, my, I have your notes in front of okay, me. Okay, thank, so, yes. thank you. Because I know I answered these questions, but I haven't looked at it since then. Yeah, I love Sarah Perillis. I think, you know, many of us in this community yeah. do. And um, that song is a song that I, at different times in this journey, I've just played on repeat, on repeat, on repeat. And yeah. Yeah, there's, I have a bunch of songs and one of mine is uh, This Is Me from- um, Oh yeah, that's that's another one. From oh, the yeah, Showman. Yeah. And I also like, I'm a survivor because during parts of the messy middle, which we all know about, which for those of you who are listening, it's like the part where you realize you're gay, but you also are making a bunch of changes in your life and it feels incredibly messy. messy. Um, I used to play I'm a survivor on very loud because I felt like I was real. I was surviving something. Yeah. I was surviving yeah. massive change in my life yeah. all at once. And, and a lot of times too with us, it's a lot of change. I mean, it's identity. You got yeah. divorced. Yeah. you know, all the stuff with your kids, you moved like I did. I moved and to, I knew I moved to, I mean, I, my life. Like if you ever read the inventory of like stressful things in your life, oh, yeah. you, know, you did like all of them. Oh, yeah. all of them. I actually, I've, I've written, I've written about that. I'm like, as an overachiever, I added coming out later in life in my mid fifties, you know, yeah. to, you know, divorce moving and yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it's a lot and starting a business. I mean, you know, really starting a business and really growing it. I mean, it's, it's a lot. It is. Okay. So your book you wrote is She's Not Hair by Jennifer Finney Boylan. Yes. Tell me about that book. Yeah. So that is a memoir, um, by a, a transgender author and it's, it's actually a fairly old book. I mean, um, it, it, um, and, uh, the author Jennifer Finley, Finney Boylan is an English professor and an author. She's written many, many books and she's a fantastic writer. And one of my very close friends handed me that book when I was, um, in the throes of the messy middle. Um, my, this friend, oldest child uh, had come out as transgender. And um, the friend said to me, you know, I know that you're, you're not trans. I know that that's not your experience, but I think you're gonna relate to a lot of what's in this book. And I, lo- I mean, I devoured the book. It's a great read. She's a great writer. Anyone who's on this journey, I would t- very much recommend. I mean, some of the language is a little dated because it was written, you know, when the language was a little different. However, I remember I can picture myself in this moment where I opened the book to the scene where the author is, is having this inner dialogue of just going back and forth, like, you have this great life. How can you possibly think about giving it up? And you're, you know, and then the other part is saying, but yeah, but I have to. And it was just this back and forth and back and forth. And it, I just remember feeling like that author was inside my head and I felt, I felt understood and seen. And that's a huge part of why I'm writing my book. And I also am helping LGBT Q plus memoir writers write theirs because, you know, books can help us feel connected. They can help us feel seen and less alone. And um, yeah, yeah. Um, How's your life now? How's my life now? I'd say it's pretty damn good. Um, (laughs) um, I, I, I have, I love my life. I, um, I spend my days, well, right now I'm at, I'm at the beach, but this is not, this is not my typical place. I, um, I spend my days, um, in more immersed in words and writing myself or helping other, um, writers write. Um, I have a co-working community called the Candy Factory. Shout out to the Candy Factory Lancaster PA. It's an amazing community of creatives and it keeps me alive and engaged. And most people are younger than me and I love it. Um, I'm engaged in the queer community in Lancaster. Um, I'm um, a, I was a founding board member of the Lancaster LGBTQ plus coalition. And now I'm, an, I'm on the advisory board. Um, so I'm very connected in that community. I have a lovely wife who um, makes, who keeps me um, well-fed and she helps <laughs> me. She, she's that she brings the fun to the relationship. I tend to be pretty serious and intense and she's, I mean, she can have her serious and intense moments also, but she tends to, you know, 
go with the flow, let's just say more than I do. And she, you know, she helps lighten, lighten the, the mood in the, in the household. We have a little dog. I never had a pet in my entire life other than like goldfish and turtles. Cause I was allergic to, to other animals. And we have a little dog named Lucy, who is a pip and, um, I practice yoga. I just, I love my life. It's not, it's not a, it's a pretty simple life. Um, I see my sons occasionally. Um, they don't, you know, we, I don't know about you. I know you have sons and daughters, but um, they don't, you know, we don't talk all that often, but that isn't anything new. That, 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 that was, that was the case when I was still married to their father. They just, you know, they, they're very independent, but they're, they're happy. They both, um, they came to my wedding, um, last June and, you know, celebrated with us and, uh, they've been very supportive of me and also their father. So, you know, life is good. Life is good. It's so funny. You, the way you describe Wendy is the way I would describe Tonda. Uh -huh. and the way you described yourself is the way I would yeah. describe me because yeah. I'm pretty serious too, a lot of the times. And, and she balances me out. She makes me she may, uh, she is a, she keeps me well fed um, all those things and as you know I have a puppy underneath my feet right now yeah yeah and it's the first animal I've ever had that's mine like we had dogs mm. with kids but it was always for the kids you know yeah. and so having a puppy that's mine who I adore and he adores me it's really really nice so well Suzette thank you so much for coming on the podcast I really appreciate it I don't think either of us could have imagined this five years ago, six years ago. No, because you were one of the people I, you know, I, I've, I, I had some really hard times when I was coming out, and Suzette was one of the people I called up once, crying hysterically, and she was a really great listener. And you know, I could have never imagined this like five, six years ago, never. So there's so much possibilities out there, right? Yeah. There is. So thank you. Say Mike. yes to your life. It's never too late. That's Very it. nice. I like that. Say yes to your life. It's never the too late. That will be the tagline on all the social media posts. Okay, good. I love that. Yeah. Absolutely. I'll put Suzette Mullen. Yeah. Um, all right. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Great to talk to you.